This is the Practical Homeopathy Podcast, episode number 108. Joe at Calabrese here, folks. I'm happy that you've joined me for my podcast today. You're in for a treat. From my virtual classroom, I'm privileged to see how homeopathy is transforming lives all over the globe. Their successes inspire me. They're glorious and powerful, and I can't keep their triumphs a secret. I want you to hear the excitement my students experience too, so you can be inspired by the unique stories. So with the help from Kate, my reporter, I bring you a podcast series I call Moms with Moxie. Sometimes we even interview dads with audacity or teens with tenacity. See how regular mothers and others, average folks who love healing those around them, have gone from freaking to fabulous by simply applying what they've learned using what I call practical homeopathy. This is Kate, and I want to welcome you back to the Practical Homeopathy Podcast. Today is another Mom with Moxie podcast, and I have a wonderful mom here whose name is Lisa. And Lisa has a story that I believe a lot of you have as well. So if you feel that you've tried so many things, um, you've tried essential oils, you've tried herbs, and you're stuck, you just don't know where to go, you still have issues, and you're not getting to the point of healing that you want to be at, I think you're going to want to hear Lisa's story because that's exactly what happened to her. So with that, I want to welcome and invite Lisa to share her story with us. Lisa, so thankful that you're here today. Hi, Kate. Thanks for having me. I have uh, a long history of holistic medicine as well as traditional Western medicine. I uh, went to school to become a registered dietitian and I worked in hospitals for about 10 years. And then um, I moved into education. And I have had lots of health problems that started from infancy that continued on well into my 50s. And one of the exciting things that happened to me is when I was at my last uh, legs of feeling like I was never going to regain my health, I heard a um, summit where Joette was speaking. And to be honest with you, I don't remember which it was. I think it was probably around gastrointestinal health. And she was talking about um, IBS and some other protocols. And from there, I connected with her. And then that was the beginning of the improvement of my health. And without homeopathy, I can't imagine that I would be where I am today. Well, I'm anxious for the listeners to get to hear more about how you have gotten to that place of healing today and more about your time with Joette. But I want to step back for just a minute and talk about your history and how you grew up because you have a, actually a pretty fascinating history with your parents and their interest in alternative medicine. So give us a little background here about your grandfather and your mother and what they did. 
Sure. Uh, my grandfather was, I consider, a visionary. Um, and in the 1940s, he went to Chicago to study to become a chiropractor. And back then, chiropractors were actually part of physiotherapy or what we now call physical therapy. Uh, but he came back to New Hampshire after that training and, and he raised my mother and her sister in a more of a holistic manner. So my mother grew up in that alternative medicine background. And then when I was young and my brother was young, we were both having health issues. Mine were related to bowel and my brother's were related to chronic ear infections. And so she figured out that it was food related, specifically dairy. And she was having a hard time finding whole foods in the area that we lived. So she decided to open a natural food store. So I was seven years old at that time. And uh, I grew up in the, in the health food industry. Uh, one of the things that was interesting about growing up in the health food industry in the late, the mid to late seventies and the eighties is that if you went to a health food store at that time, you were thought of as being a hippie. I'm dating myself with that term, but <laughs> a hippie. And you know, what was interesting is the town I live in has federal offices. And from time to time, someone would come in to make sure my mother wasn't selling marijuana in the, in the wow. store, because that's what they thought about the health food industry back then. But I had all of those experiences working in the store from the time I was quite young. But one of the things I realized at that point was that I wanted to kind of be more legitimized after watching my mother kind of be also a visionary in this field. So that's when I decided to go the traditional medical route. So I did that for quite a long time, but I always had my alternative roots, right? <laughs> you know, my alternative roots never go away. And, you know, one of the things that I wouldn't advertise it because if I said something to a medical doctor or whatnot, then I was afraid that they would not treat me with the same level of respect, um, but people knew. And so I had my own little posse of other employees <laughs> who would come and knock on the door and peek their head in and say, hey, you got anything in that drawer for me? <laughs> um, and, you know, maybe it was rescue remedy. Maybe that was one of my early dabbles in homeopathy like medicine. Or maybe it was supplements or charcoal for gas and bloating or whatever it was. I had my usual pile of things in there. So, and I can still remember the first time I was dealing with a patient who had had chronic diarrhea. And it's what we see frequently now, C. difficile in hospitalized patients. And the diarrhea was endless going up to a physician and saying, would you ever think about using probiotics? I mean, this was in the early 1990s. And he said, mm, I don't know. I don't think so. And nowadays, it's fairly commonplace to use probiotics as one of the, the mechanisms to dealing with chronic diarrhea. So, you know, I in some ways, I was trying to introduce it, but I didn't get very far. Um, once I left healthcare, I went into education. And from there, you know, I started to experience some of my own health problems. So my, my bowel-related issues continued to worsen. And um, after the birth of my last child, I was put on IV antibiotics. And that was the last straw. And from there, I started to have such severe IBS that it became debilitating. And I was a dietitian. I knew all about food, right? I knew how to modify all those things. And despite my best efforts, 
no matter what I did nutritionally, I couldn't seem to get off the steaming train that was going forward that where my intestinal system was just getting more and more inflamed. And it got to the point where I couldn't really eat very much and couldn't take much for supplements. And in fact, I think you told me earlier that you could only eat about 25 foods. Yeah. Yeah. I had really narrowed down, you know, anything that had any kind of fiber in it, I I couldn't eat it. And, you know, and vegetables, you know, and again, here's me, the dietitian. I can't eat any beans. I can't eat any (laughs) vegetables. I can't eat any, no fruit whatsoever. The fruit was the worst, Mm. right? So my diet was just getting narrower and narrower and everything, you know, I couldn't even take probiotics. They were actually aggravating it. So everything that I knew how to try, had either worked in the short run and then stopped, or I found that no matter what I did, there seemed to be an aggravation. I I used to liken my health to, sure everyone's brought their kids to like a water park where they've have the little fountains or the little water things where the water squirts up from the ground. And if you step on one hole, then the water comes up somewhere else. (laughs) That's exactly the way it felt like with my health. I would take something, I'd say, oh, this is starting to make me feel a little better. And then something else would pop up. And it just never felt like I was getting off the, uh, the hamster wheel with it. Mm, That's a great visual, Lisa. I love that. (laughs) I bet a lot of people feel that way, actually. And I was just talking to my mom today and I, I said, I feel like things keep happening in life. And to some extent, that is just living life, right? Things are always going to happen and pop up. And and it, it's never where we've reached optimal health. And that's where we stay. <laughs> Joette and I talk about that as well. And I know she's mentioned that as well, that that is just living life. Things happen. But I want to hear, where are you at today, Lisa? Can you eat more foods? Oh yeah, I I, am, I would say I'm at 98% recovery. So it's taken several years, but now I am eating pretty much everything. So I still have some slight gluten sensitivity. So the volume of gluten I eat has to be monitored. Uh, but aside from that, I am back to eating everything. Wow. So how long of a process was that? Well, I would say... For the big shift in my, uh, my IBS, it took about a year. So the one thing that I've learned about homeopathy is that there's often steps forward and then a step back and then step forwards. And, you know, so it's, it's not a continual linear line. You know, if you look at it through the big window, you see that where you're at is um, better than where it was six months ago, (laughs) but it's not linear. I did work with Joette with this, and it took us many remedies to figure out what the right combination was that was going to be the difference. So it was significantly better in, I would say, a year, and then in another year, it's probably was where I'm at now. So it took a good solid two years to get back to eating pretty much everything that I wanted to, but there were improvements along the way. And I will say, after the better part of 10 plus years dealing with that, there was a a lack of a better description. There was a lot of PTSD around it. I became really afraid of food. You know, I I became afraid of what the ramifications were going to be if I were to eat that. So I was very, very slow at reintroducing things. So, you know, perhaps it might've been a little bit quicker, but I would say it was a solid two years before I was feeling as good as I am now. 
Misa, you are just imparting lots of wisdom for the listeners today because I feel that our expectations are that once we start taking a homeopathic protocol or remedies, that we should expect a huge shift in two months even. And I love what you said that it's it's not going to happen overnight and it's not just a straight line, linear progression of getting better and better and better. You do have those Uh, two steps forward, one step back. And I think that is so important to remember, especially when you're dealing with chronic issues such as food intolerances and allergies. It it doesn't happen overnight. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It does take patience. But the good news was there was enough good things going on that it encouraged me to stay the course, right? You know, we would flare and then I would just have to trust and, you know, sometimes you just have to trust the process. And my system is extremely sensitive even now. So I'm somebody who's likely to aggravate on a remedy when somebody else doesn't. So uh, one of the things I've learned is if I feel like something is aggravating, stop and wait and let it settle out and then try it again. That took a lot of time for me to feel comfortable with. You know, my first reaction is to stop it because I'm aggravating. But then the question is, should I have continued to take it, right? But I learned with me, it's better to stop and reassess and then try again. And if it happens again, then go looking for another remedy. Oh, good. That's wonderful advice too. Evaluate and try it again. Don't be afraid to try it again. But if it happens again, then it's really time to think about, is this the correct remedy for me? So I love that. Thank you. Um, so you've been healed for the most part, and you still have a few things you're dealing with, you said. But I want to hear now about some of your family members, because you have some great stories. Um, your coworkers used to call you Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, and now you are, <laughs> you are, you're helping other people. You're that healer in your community. So why don't you tell us about some of the people that you've helped and what you've done? Well, you know, what's interesting about working with homeopathy is that I always, when someone has not had experience with homeopathy, I have a tendency to just kind of throw out in the middle of the room, you know, this is going to feel a little bit like woo-woo medicine, but if you're willing to try, then it might help or it might not if I pick the remedy right or not. But it's not going to hurt you. So are you willing to go with me? And because of that, I'll start with some coworkers first, because honestly, I find treating my coworkers a heck of a lot easier than treating my family. My family looks at me and I try and ask them to describe their symptoms. And they're like, mom, get the heck away from me. I'm miserable. I don't want to tell you where the head hurts (laughs) or wherever it is. Right. So I find picking remedies for myself to be hard. And um, if my family members aren't willing to talk to me. I find them difficult, but I work in a public health department. So I work with a bunch of people who are also very health conscious, who have no trouble giving me whatever information I need. So, you know, some of my favorite stories actually surround headaches. And I know for a lot of people, headaches are tricky to find the right remedy. And I've had quite a bit of success with that, with headaches for everyone but myself. I still have one kind of headache I've still not 
figured out how to treat. But um, so, for examples, I can go back a couple of years. I had a coworker who had had a really bad cold respiratory infection and a headache that would not go away. And um, what I gave her was the Banerjee protocol, Sanguinarian and Belladonna. And within 24 hours, the headache was gone. That same remedy has worked for sinus headaches for my mother. And that uh, also has worked well. And I've given that one to my husband as well, who has a tendency to get sinus headaches after a cold. And generally speaking, it's been pretty effective across the board when I know I'm truly dealing with a sinus headache, you know, something that is related to either a cold or allergies. Um, So that worked pretty well. I also recently had one of the same coworkers who has had a history of migraines. And uh, about a year ago, we were in a meeting and I said, you know, I'm trying to get an idea of where the headache was. So we tried Belladonna and Belladonna helped a little bit, but didn't completely go away. And then, of course, off we go into the wild blue COVID um, hole of never seeing each other, right? (laughs) And so when we got... So this is three weeks ago. I walked down the hall and I peeked in her office and the lights off and she's got indirect lighting on. And I said, oh, my God, do you have a migraine? She said, yeah. She said, I've been meaning to ask you. I have a migraine every three days, the first three days of my menstrual cycle ever since my son was born, which is a little more than a year ago. And so, you know, I kind of was paying attention to, you know, what was going on. And last time she had the headache in the back of my head, I'm thinking, Bryonia, that's what I'll try next time. But of course, you know, we didn't have a next time. So I went ahead and I gave her the Bryonia this time. And within a half hour, she told me the headache was better. She only took two doses and I gave them to her you know, within an hour, two doses within an hour because the headache was really bad. And um, I got an email later that night that she said she was substantively better and she woke up the next day with no headache. And that was day one of the three-day migraines she'd been having for 10 months. So is that uprooting the problem? Probably not. You know, it sounds like it's hormonal. It's probably worth a chronic remedy, a chronic, you know, look at it. But for right now, it got her out of that pain. So we'll see how what happens next month when it pops back up. And my last headache story was actually my daughter in high school started to get these chronic, well, these headaches that would show up and it was like a cross between a cluster headache and not quite as strong as a migraine, but a little bit like a migraine and would go on for weeks, low-grade headache that would go on for weeks. And um, it was one where as soon as she went to school, she would read, she'd think it would get worse. And I tried a bunch of different remedies. And eventually I thought, you know, there may be an anxiety or fear component there. And so I gave her Ignatia for those headaches and they went away and they have never come back. And that was three years ago at this point. Wow. So, I mean, she's young, right? You know, I mean, there's an opportunity to uproot things fairly easily when you're young. You know, it's, it wasn't a long standing issue. It had happened previously six or eight months before. But um, yeah, she doesn't get that type anymore. But I mean, literally, those headaches would go on for four or five weeks. It wasn't debilitating, but it was just chronically there. So anyway, the headaches have been one of the areas where I've had some luck with, even though I know that for others, you know, finding headache remedies can be a bit of a challenge. Yeah, those are great stories. I love that. And for those of you who may be newer to Joette, 
And um, newer to homeopathy, a good way to find some information on what remedies you might use for headaches is just to go to joettecalabres.com. And in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little search box there and you can type in headache and it will bring up all the blogs and podcasts and articles that Joette has written where she talks about headaches and what medicines to use for those. So if you're new and you're looking for ways to find what information there is on treating headaches with homeopathy or some of the remedies that Lisa was talking about just now, that information can be found on Joette's website. So check that out. So Lisa, you have a dog story that I think illustrates how homeopathy is not only effective in helping to heal our bodies, but it's also cost effective. So tell us that story. So I have an older dog who uh, loves to run around and she tore what I know, the cruciatus I think it's called, but it's basically the doggy ACL. And so when I brought her in, they were telling us that what we should do was operate on her and it was going to be $3,000. And of course, she was already 12, almost 13 years old. And it to me, it didn't make sense to do that. So I decided that I was going to look around. So in looking around, I use the internet largely to get ideas. And there are homeopathic vets that have some stuff online. Mm -hmm. And I ended up uh, selecting two remedies, uh, Ruta and uh, Roost Talks, and I put it in a 6C. And for the dog itself, I diluted it in water. And so what I did is I was giving that to her three times a day. And what was really interesting about it is because I had it in a water bottle, I would shake it. I would do the succussions. I would shake it. And what was fun was that the dog would hear me start you know, wrapping the bottle on my hand and she would come right over looking for it. I mean, she sensed that that was making a difference and we did give that to her for months. Uh, and then when um, she was getting better, I think she kind of self-selected when she was done with the remedy <laughs> because she stopped coming when I was bashing the bottle. So wow. at that point, I decided she probably had better knowledge about what her body needed <laughs> than I did. And we stopped and she's, she's good. I mean, she's running around. She's really old, but she's not running around so much anymore, but she's not limping. And we never had to go through and have the surgery. So you talked earlier about those remedies probably cost you about $20 or so, maybe a little yeah. bit more versus the $3,000 to get the surgery. And that Correct. didn't include the MRI. And I love what you said about how that paid for your homeopathic education. Right. <laughs> Tell us that. Right. So, you know, I mean, just having that cost savings meant that I could take additional courses, you know, $3,000 pays for a lot of homeopathic classes. Mm -hmm. And I've done several of, of Joette's classes. I've done the survivalist class, the allergies, the antibiotic class, good gut, bad gut. So I've had the opportunity to do that as well as the two gateway courses. And I believe still I'm well under that $3,000. <laughs> right. And bought some remedies. <laughs> and I bought some remedies. So. Yeah. It's so cost effective. That's what I, one of the things I love about homeopathy. So Lisa, would you be willing to share with us some final thoughts or advice that you have drawing from your experience with homeopathy? Well, I think one of the thoughts that's been in my mind for the last several months as the world has dealt with this pandemic is how much of a peace of mind knowing homeopathy has given me. 
while everyone else is feeling victimized or that some, you know, mysterious virus or ailment is going to uh, attack them, I know that I have tools and my homeopathic remedies and I don't have to be afraid. Yes, that's what I hear over and over again from these moms and dads that I interview is that they feel empowered and they don't have as much fear. So I think that's just a great way to wrap this up, to know that by learning these skills, learning about this medicine, that it will empower you. Absolutely. Thank you, Lisa, for being willing to share your experience with us today. My pleasure, Kate. As I hope you know by now, on my blog, podcasts, and Facebook Live, I offer as many protocols for simple conditions as I can for free without affiliates or advertising. But let me be clear, when it comes to more complex conditions, it's key that you learn how to use these medicines properly. I want you to be well-trained. So I save discussions of the more involved methods for my courses in which I walk students through each method with step-by-step training. In these podcasts, I focus on those students of mine who have already tunneled in and learned how to take care of themselves, family and friends and pets, and even livestock using homeopathic medicine. Many of these students began their education by participating in one of my gateway to homeopathy study groups. And now, after taking one or more of my courses, they're well-trained to use my specific brand of homeopathy. I hope listening to this podcast has inspired you to follow in their footsteps. With the proper training, you too can nurture and protect the health of your family and loved ones with practical homeopathy. You just listened to a podcast from practicalhomeopathy.com, where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay strong through homeopathy. Joette's podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, Pandora, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. To learn more and find out if homeopathy is a good fit for your health strategy, visit practicalhomeopathy.com.